Bilingual in America. Tunei el loga fi America. Bilinguismo negli Stati Uniti. Bilingue in America. Ser bilingue in America. Hi, I'm Suzanne Lasser, and this is Bilingual in America. Today, Yarina and I have the distinct pleasure of being joined by Mayor Thomas Roach. Mayor Roach is a mayor of White Plains. He has been serving in his capacity as the mayor since 2011. Not only is he the mayor of White Plains, but he was born in White Plains and currently resides here. He attended SUNY Albany and received his law degree from the State University of New York at Buffalo. He's very proud to share that he was the first person in his family to earn a four-year degree and is a product of the public education system from kindergarten through his law degree. Yarina and I love that because we are fellow educators and we believe in the public school system. So welcome to Bilingual in America. Well, thank you. It's my pleasure to be here. And uh, I have two teachers in my family as well. And my son who is, uh, is in Teach for America. So now I have three teachers in my family. Mayor Roach, we always like to give our listeners a little grounding. So if you could just share a little bit about your own heritage roots. Sure. Um, I am. Uh, I was born in the, here in, in, uh, at St. Agnes Hospital when, when it was open in White Plains, as were my brothers and sisters, my parents and my grandparents, most of my grandparents. Uh, my heritage traces back to Ireland and um, both sides of the family. My mom's a, a more traditional path. They came over, you know, in the 1800s, you know, that time period between 1800 and 1860, I guess. Um, there was a the famine and things like that, a more traditional story. But my, on my dad's side, his mom was here for a while, but his dad came here as a young adult and, and had to um, acclimate from a, a farm where they had no electricity, no plumbing and no cars. Uh, and, and show up in New York City and try and figure out how to make things happen. And uh, and he, died, he wound up dying young, so I never met him. But I have been on the farm in Ireland where um, his brother was still on the farm. And at that point, they had electric, but still no plumbing. But what, what I thought was interesting for the podcast when I saw this question is the part of Ireland they're in is very rural, very farm. You can look, the part of the land they live in has a very unusual name. And the, these small places that only had four or five houses in them they're get they have a name there so and it's uh so I, you look that up and i the census records show that in the 1901 census when they went to the home of my great great grandfather i guess in the as part of the um the census that the british you know ireland was colonized by england uh and and it was some argue the the first colony they they were taking a census and one of the columns was what is what do you do for a living? What do you, you know, all these things. One of them is, does anyone in the home speak Irish? Because there were still Irish speakers. And I guess it's my great, great and great, great, great grandfathers both still spoke Irish in 1901. And then the 1911 census, everybody speaks English. It's kind of the opposite of someone who immigrates to a country. You know, it was it, it's something that that I thought made me, because of the conversation we're having today, I thought a different way about, about that than I had in the past. Right, no, and I find it so lovely that you, 
you've taken the time to go back to Ireland to to you know be in the house where your ancestors um, lived and still live, and to just just really put, be a part of that history. And and as a as a mayor who was a a lawyer, you know, you're a true historian in that way, with your own vested interests, of course. But how beautiful that you take the time because I feel that sometimes we don't take the time when we've been in the United States for a while to go back and see what were the genesis of those roots. And, and I never thought about it, but we used to get mail. And I, I would look as it, when I learned how to read, I would look at the return address and it made no sense to me at all. There's no zip code. There's just a bunch of names. And uh, when I went to Ireland, I found out why I was trying to find the house and the, I went to the post office. And they had no idea where the house was because uh, you would go get your mail in town um, at like a hardware store and things like that. So I learned a lot there, but I also saw that the house they were living in when I went over was not fancy. It was like a concrete floor and center block, but the house where all these kids were born, my, my grandfather and his brothers and sisters, and you know, had 10, 11 people living there, had no windows. It was, it was basically clay. And, and uh, now it has a, a, like a tin roof, but originally would have had a thatched roof. And it's just a reminder, you know, of uh, that all of us who are here because someone else came from something that and for them to stand up and be able to walk out of that and have the courage to just enter into a new. It's just remarkable. And I, and I think it's something that everyone that that's why I'm so supportive of immigration and of, of people who immigrate, because these are the ambitious people with something that they want to do and they and, and achieve. And I think that energy has always benefited our nation. But when you see it right in front of you and you imagine we're unhappy if the cable goes out, it's a disaster or whatever. And you look at these are these are people that, you know, even when I went over there, there still wasn't a bathroom. And, and so it's I don't know. It's, it is. It's for me, it, it was uh, very meaningful. And I've been back a few times um, and, and that's the, he's since passed away. And the land is held by another relative because everyone's related to each other there. And so. Right. In, that little, in that little community, so. I have a follow-up question. Is there a difference between Irish and Gaelic? I, I may not be the right person to answer that question because I've heard it referred to both ways. It's Gaelic I th is what, because there's an area that's called the Gael, Gael Tech, where, where there are parts of the country where they're trying to preserve the language still. And, and I, I'm not probably not pronouncing it right. I do not speak any Irish or Gaelic. So I, I, I'm not, I, I don't know. My guess, I'll just say it, that's a guess, but like if someone in Scotland speaks their the original language differently than, than, than someone in Ireland, then that might be the difference. I know in those forms that they called it Irish. Okay, so you know what? That might be a future episode, Yarina. We have to look into- to the bottom of that. Yes, let's, let's keep talking a little bit about language. So why don't you share for our listeners what are your language beliefs, you know, as a professional, as an elected official, as a dad, First of all, you know, I'll start with that as a dad, because um, I mentioned that my kids went to George Washington School. And um, when my older son went to GW, Dr. Clem was just bringing the program called Ola Espanol. I don't know if they still use the, these terms, but if a child was English dominant, they would learn when the Spanish language dominant kids would go to a, um, a special class to learn English then the English dominant kids would go to a classroom and learn Spanish. And we were really happy he got in that program. And then when my younger son went, now it had moved on to full um, dual language. 
and the the kids who had been who had siblings who had been in Ola, you you were up the list. Yeah, there was a priority. So he yeah. went into that program, and and that was intense. And that was actually, to be honest, you know, as a parent, a little bit like I was thinking, it's one thing to learn another language, but he's also got to learn math. How's he going to learn math and Spanish, but of course it all worked out perfectly well. And in fact, when he was back into the program with English, he had to learn kind of how to do math in English, if you know what I mean. It's still numbers, right? But there's some parts of it. But in both cases, they had a great experience. And I'm told that they have great pronunciation because they were with people who actually spoke the language. And I I think um, for the, the, what they don't get which the Spanish language dominant kids, kids are, they're in immersion, right? So every time they leave the house, there's English around them. They're both proud of their, uh, that they're bilingual and they, they're both, I, I think, still strong in the language. And I was at a friend's house and he's bilingual. And I was telling him, I don't even know, if, with my youngest, I don't even know if he's learning Spanish because he never, he won't speak it when I ask him to do it. And uh, he said, watch this. And he said in Spanish, get two glasses for the, and bring them to the ladies because he was about to bring glasses to someone. And, and he just went to the cupboard and got the glasses and left. Like he didn't even know. It was almost like he didn't know. He just, his brain was receiving it as what he was, should do, not in a particular language. And I thought that was really, really cool. I wish I was that way. Oh, there's always time. Don't worry, man. Yeah, and as a mayor, I think it's, it, as an elected official, it's important that everyone in your community feels connected to the community and you have to do everything you can to accommodate and, and just make it easier to navigate when your first language is not English in this country. And so when we started doing the, um, the robocalls, uh, we, we always did them in Spanish, a Spanish version, and I would record the Spanish. And that was hard because our uh, system, if you make a mistake, you don't get to stop and 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 do that part over you have to do the whole thing over and also you have to fit it into like two minutes and so i got pretty good at the typical we're changing your garbage pickup schedule calls but when they would get into complicated things it would be real sweat for me so then um when one of the administrative people here retired and then we hired person we hired She's from Chile and um, she became a citizen while working here, but she heard, of course, her Spanish is beautiful and she's a nice person. So I'd rather have her do that now. But some people were disappointed, but they don't realize what I was going through to get that recorded. Although I did feel, I hope it made people feel that they were welcome when they, even if the information wasn't vital to them, that's part of it. Even if people can get through it, do you want to make them get through it? Why not make it as easy as you can? And the technology is there now that it's not just English and Spanish. It's any language you can, there's, there's ways to help people navigate. Um, and, and one other area that I was familiar, I was an attorney for over, I'm still an attorney, but I don't practice. Uh, but I worked at Legal Aid in the Bronx and then I was a, a trial lawyer. And so both at, at Legal Aid, there'd be court appointed uh, interpreters. And, uh, and then at, in my profession, I would be doing depositions with people. And, and, and if they, I would ask them, would you prefer to be deposed in English or Spanish? Because you want to, you don't want people to be offended. So I, I've seen it, you know, in my profession as well, the importance of having people available so that um, to the best of your ability, a person gets a fair shake, that what they are saying is accurately 
provided to um, to the people that are hearing it. I think a couple of things I just want to comment on. One is that you put yourself in the position to provide those robocalls when nobody else would. That says so much about the added value that you believe, right? And the point of access that you are giving the community and that when we expect people to try and learn English that we should also meet people where they are, right? Um, with their language. And the other, you know, has to do with giving opportunities to others. And, and I agree with you, just because someone understands both languages, it's always appropriate to give them that choice and not just assume that they want to speak in one or the other. So, right. those, you know, Yadina, I talk with different guests. Options are always a beautiful thing. And this is a prime example of that. And it can be a delicate conversation, but it's it, it really, if you, it's not hard to be polite. You know, it's, it's a, uh, that's all we're asking is courtesy and just saying to someone, would you be more comfortable with an interpreter? I, I think it also speaks to your sensitivity and understanding that at the end of the day, we're all humans trying to do the best that we can do in the moment that we're in. So thank you for that. All right. Well, I'd like to just step a little bit more into your current role. So, you know, we know that White Plains is the county seat of Westchester County. And it's the home to the German school, to the Japanese nursery school, and to our public schools that offer dual language and a robust opportunity for world language instruction and programming. So in that context of all of that, what are the city's long-range plans to continue to support the multilingual and multicultural community of White Plains? I think, as I said, you want to make everyone feel welcome. Our youth bureau programs, um, we work closely with the school district. El Centro Hispano is a wonderful organization. And I, Isabel and Judy are my friends. And we, uh, what they do is amazing. And it's all about trying to make sure that people who are our brothers and sisters and our neighbors feel comfortable and have access to all the things that we take for granted. El Centro is not just about at all about just interpreting English and Spanish. It's helping people navigate the system, understand how to apply for things. And, and our library as well, we, we do programs for um, people who are learning the language or uh, El Centro does a lot of computer programs, all those things to try and make people feel more comfortable and you know welcome here. Um, we want to make sure all our programs, that everyone knows about them and that they can, uh, they can participate in them. I think it's a great gift to have a multicultural community to live in. It's, I really wouldn't want to live in another place because of that. I think it's, there's the just general day-to-day -day kind of excitement that you have in a community like that. But there's also the benefit of just having just simple things like uh, food. So you can get great food, Peruvian food, Mexican food, Italian food, and here, and it's not a chain, it's not an interpretation, it's people who, that is the, the, the food that they grew up in, with. And then you'll have people that, no, that's not the food they grew up in, but they love it, or they love this style of dance, even though it's not from my tradition, I wanna participate in it. And we've all seen young people who engage with something that would not traditionally be part of their um their heritage but it's something that they, gives them joy right and mm. and so i think all of that adds up so i think that we have to never stop thinking about it 
you know, I think that's how White Plains, that's how we work here, you know, and yeah. I hope we can keep it that way. Yes. Well, whenever we look at things from an asset and a benefit, like the deposit is so much greater into the community, right? And yes. So, yes, I, I, I agree with that. What about you, Suzanne? Honestly, I, you know, it took me way back, right? It's like a flashback to Hola Espanol with Dr. Clem and Dr. Dwyer. And I remember that. And yes, there was a strong concern about what we were promoting because at that time, the word bilingual was not really in vogue. And there was a lot of work that was done within the community and through partnerships, like you mentioned, El Centro and the Youth Bureau to really help educate our families about how this is a benefit to all, not just to some. And I think that is a true reflection, right, uh, of what I see here in White Plains, right? Yarina and I are both transplants here because of uh, our work in the, in the district and it is not surprising that so many people who have been raised here and gone through the schools actually come back to work in the district or in the city and raise their families. And I think um, it has a lot to do with what you, you shared about the, the linguistic diversity and how multiculturalism is valued. The other piece is, I wonder in your role, how might you um, continue to promote business owners um, to understand that White Plains really does value this linguistic diversity, this gem that we have here in our multicultural um, community? Well, first of all, I'll just say that if uh, I, I, I was just at an event earlier today, opening of a restaurant, and the manager was talking to uh, one, of the, one of the servers, and she speaks Spanish. It was not her first language for sure, but she speaks Spanish, and she's they were communicating in Spanish. I think that you have customers that are going to speak Spanish. I feel like for any job at this point, bilingual puts you to the top of the resume pile because whatever the job is, it's a it's an added benefit. And to be honest, you know, in our area, Spanish is probably the predominant second language and White Plains, French Creole, uh, the Haitian community um, is another. But having someone who, who speaks another language uh, on your staff, you can be more accommodating for customers. You can also it broadens the um, your ability to hire because um, right now the job market is tight in this region. And so that helps that way. But uh, any any suggestions you have, because the way I often communicate with the, with a number of the business owners is through the business improvement district, which is downtown basically, and it has boundaries, but they meet once a month and I'm in communication with them. And I have uh, one of my staff members attends their board meetings and anything that you feel we could, we, we could promote, I would be happy to. We had Mariam actually somehow got in communication with the staff people in Miami Beach, Florida about plastic-free Miami, right? And they were trying to promote their program to other parts of the country. And so we did it. We have a plastic-free White Plains program where the restaurants are given a little, it's a tortoise and a different color, bronze, silver, gold, depending, you know, we make it easy for them to start and then they work their way in, you get higher. COVID happened pretty soon after we started it. So we have a few, we're going to, we're going to get it back on track again, but perhaps there's some program like that, that we could um, talk to them about because people are by nature competitive. And when, when you give them a task and I, I, we're all this way, right? If the, this, you're in education, teachers do this all the time. Whoever finishes this, you get this star or you get, you know, something. And, uh, and I think that having that 
uh, ability, then they start to figure out how do I get that to the next level? Um, and sometimes they start out hesitant and by the time they're done, they've got the plastic out of the place. So I think that it could be a model for what we could do perhaps uh, in that area. I just don't know. I don't know of programs in that area right now, but anything yeah. that you're aware of, I'd be happy to, uh, to discuss with them. So it's so, uh, first of all, I think that's great, right? The idea of a plastic-free white plains. Um, I think I look forward to, to watching that continue to grow. And it's interesting that you mentioned Florida because this past November, Yarina and I attended an annual conference for dual language educators. And they were talking about a program that is run in Florida out of a college where it's a, a partnership between the college, the schools and the businesses. And it's called the Bilingual Village which is an actual division of, um, I believe the English, Lang the English Learner Achievement Network and store owners would post a sign in their window indicating the languages that are spoken inside and the willingness of the staff to help learners of those languages, for example, get a stamp and a passport or oh, wow. you know, do a task. And so it's interesting that you talked about that turtle because there was these little badges that they would put on the door so that customers would know that they're participating in this program, which is linked to the school. And as you know, one of the hardest things to do is use language in authentic settings. And so by going into yeah. the businesses and having them, having students know and parents know that this is a place where my child can practice his or her language is, uh, has been really successful. It's interesting to learn about that. So perhaps I love it. I love that. Cause that sounds not only, it sounds fun. It's if you're a store owner, uh, I, I'm thinking some of them in particular right now, I can see people who had a lot of, a lot of fun with that. They would love it. Uh, I think whatever they say about New Yorkers, it, you know, it's a tough place and people can be tough, but they, I always see people like to help each other. When some, something goes wrong for someone, you see someone try and help them. And I think uh, this is the kind of thing that I think a lot of people would enjoy that experience. So yeah, we, I, I would like to work on something like that with you. Well, Mayor Roach, you're always such a pleasure to talk to, and we appreciate your charismatic and authentic leadership and where you've taken White Plains to um, your open mind and heart to, to diversity and, and just, just really loving your community and, and the people who live in it. So thank you so much for sharing this time with us. With us well, gra gracias, gracias. <laughs> I'm not going any further than that right now. <laughs> thank you very much. Today, we had a great conversation with the mayor of White Plains, Thomas Roach. He is a proud product of public schools, supporter of public schools, and fervent believer in the value of bilingualism. As we close out this episode, we want to encourage you, our listeners, to speak with and partner with elected officials. It's so important that as part of our work in language advocacy, that we connect beyond our students, our colleagues, our parents, and network with those elected officials who can help bring about changes that we know we need to support the growth of our emerging bilinguals and all multilinguals. We've spoken with Elisa Alvarez, we've spoken with Mayor Roach and Dr. Cardona. We are looking forward to speaking with you. Okay, faithful listeners, until next time, continue to speak your beauty. Thank you for your interest in the stories we share. 
by sharing, following, and liking our podcast on anchor.fm, Bilingual in America, and our Instagram blog at bilingualinamerica.podcast. You are speaking your beauty. We welcome your comments and feedback, and we appreciate your support. Follow us, like us, share us.